Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Agent Missional Podcast, and this is episode 87. Today, we're going to be talking about burnout. What does it mean for us, and what do we do about it? Let's do this. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. It has been a little while. It's been a hot minute, but we are back and we are ready to have some brand new discussions. We got a few recordings lined up, so you'll be seeing some new episodes over the next couple months. So we're excited about this. As always, Bernard, Xenia, and Shu are here. How you guys doing? Hey, what's up? Hey. Yo, yo. Yo, yo. It's happening. It's happening. We're going to have a great conversation today on something that really is pertinent for a lot of pastors, a lot of people in ministry, a lot of people in life overall, burnout. <laughs> it's, it's something that is truly affecting us all, and I think probably more so even over the course of the pandemic. And so, looking forward to diving into this conversation today. And so, we're just going to jump right into it. What is burnout? How would you guys define burnout? And what would you say is a marker of burnout? Like the lack of motivation to want to do anything, and tiredness, exhausted. For me, I think it would be limited emotional capacity. So everything just kind of sets you off. And so your go-to emotion, whether it's like anger or fear or whatever it is, that's just how you respond. And you're constantly reacting to the next thing. And you can't get out of that cycle. Yeah, I think for me, I feel that when I hear the term burnout, I feel that we are operating past our limits, past our capacities. And this can be both physically in terms of whatever we need to do for work or ministry, but also emotionally and relationally. See, is there is there a difference there between burnout and I guess what some churches call sacrifice? You know, oh, like is there, oh, yeah, we're going uh, here already. Oh, for sure, for sure. I think that's a leading question, Shu. <laughs> yeah, I think you have a, I think you have a response. So no, well, I'm just curious for you guys because you know we we definitely I think you know we're all been involved in church ministry or, or you know just kingdom ministry kind of stuff in general, and sometimes at least. In our context, our Asian context, I think specifically, you hear a lot about people sacrificing. And, and I think that kind of like, you know, like, because John, just jumping off of what John was saying, you know, if you're going past your limits, sacrifice, at least to, to, to most people, looks like, you know, going past your limit or going all out or beyond all out, sacrificing something for the sake of something else. And it's, I don't know, it's interesting at times to think about that. The way at times, at least I saw a lot in pastors that I knew or, or ministry leaders was, you know, even my parents who were very involved in ministry was to go beyond those limits. And, you know, to be honest, they never talked about burnout. There's definitely signs of burnout for, I think, for people, but they never talked about that. But the talk of sacrifice was a lot of times there. So I don't know. That's why I bring it up. Like, are you almost saying, and almost describing or insinuating that it's uh, something that's noble 
like that it is something that is honorable, something that is almost seen as a virtue? Yeah, I, I think there's something to do with sacrificing for the sake of just, you know, like I just should sacrifice. There's this dutiful, like Christians should sacrifice or go beyond this for the sake of, you know, ministry or, or even to help others, you know, good things, you know, but, but do we count the costs of those things? Do we know our boundaries and our limits to things? And I think at least there's been some good talk amongst churches more and more, uh, I think recently is about knowing your limits. You know, do we live within understanding our limits to a certain degree as well? And is that part of, you know, our health as human beings as well? Or is it just, you know, God, Jesus died, died for you on the cross. So you got to pick up your cross. So, you know, always, you know, be dying and burnt out. That's how we should be living, burnt out, you know? But that's like, you know, we pick up the cross that God has directed us, but we don't pick up Jesus' cross, right? And I think there's like, when we think about burnout, when we think about like what you're describing, Shu, like, I think the burnout comes when we personified ourselves as Jesus. And we think that we can do what Jesus does. And there's like a lack of realization that like, well, I'm, I'm not Jesus. Uh, and that's what we need him. And I think there is a humility to recognize that there are limits in each of us. So I will kind of play the devil's advocate in this. I'm thinking just out of the top of my head, people responding to that and saying, well, you know what? We have the same Holy Spirit as Jesus. And so why can't we do the same things? Or even Jesus saying, you will do much more than I'm able to do and say, you know, you can go just as far as Jesus. And there's almost a sense that, you know, it is a faithful, spiritual kind of act to be able to do that. And they can almost hold intention that, yes, they're like, yeah, you know, we should not idolize work or ministry. We should not have an unhealthy relationship to it. It's not about our works that make us righteous. But at the same time, there's never talk about how you can be a workaholic. There's never talk about how you can essentially give up your family or you can give up your personal, like your physical health or other aspects of your life just for the sake of the work you're involved with or ministry. And so this kind of leaves us in a weird place that how do we then talk about burnout? But back to kind of what you were saying, John, when you're trying to be a devil's advocate and how, like, you know, you said, Jesus said, you, you will do greater things. And I think we often view that passage from an individualistic lens, like you as an individual would do greater things. And I think when Jesus said it is actually for the collective. So when we realize that we are a collective you, then we can't do everything by ourselves, even though it's the same spirit that's at work because the spirit works in all of us together collectively. And so I wonder if part of the burnout is because we are doing something that somebody else is supposed to be doing uh, or somebody else that God has created and formed and gifted and the spirit is moving in that, but we actually robbing someone from doing that. And that's why it's so heavy on us. That's a good word. Very good word. And I think in principle, all of us agree to this. And I think we would understand the passage in that way, in terms of the giftings, in terms of how we operate communally. But I kind of want to throw this back to us personally. Even though I think we know this and we believe it and can attest to it, why then do we still get caught up in burning out? 
why then do we still get stuck in a frame where we believe so much rests on us or that we should be sacrificing to that level? So let's talk about this more personally. And whether it's you yourself that has gone through it, I know myself, I've probably hit some walls a few times for sure. Or we've seen it in other people's lives. And so let's talk about this personally, because I think burnout can easily become something that is abstract in a concept. And then we can kind of create very nice little pithy guidelines to just being, yeah, that works. That'll, that'll help us stave off burnout. But in reality, all of us still feel so caught up in it. I wonder, maybe this is from my own perspective, like part of the journey of kind of understanding burnout and why that happens. I think as humans, and even for myself, part of what I do gives meaning and significance. It helps me understand who I am. And sometimes to realize my own limitations and say, like, I can't do all this, it's kind of taking away from my own perception of what I think I need to do to be who I am. Even though, you know, sometimes it's like, well, no, these things don't define who you are completely. I mean, they are part of who you are. And so I think like there's, there's almost like this existential kind of wrestling when we think about like why we end up being in, in burnt, at least for me, like maybe it's just like my inability to say like, yeah, I, I just need help. I can't do it because I'm supposed to air quotes. No, I, I appreciate the air quotes. Burn because I think that there are certain cultural expectations that are imposed on us, whether that be evangelical expectations or Asian church expectations, or even uh, perceptions of expectations that we bring ourselves to the table, right? And so I want to say for anybody who's listening who is going through burnout, you didn't come to this alone. Like, this isn't necessarily all of your fault. If any part is probably not your fault. Because hmm. I think when you hit burnout and you hit the rock bottom and you go, oh man, how, how would I find myself here? There's this sort of self-recrimination that happens and that's just a lie. You need to get out of your head. And I, I think generally what we forget is that when you're in a ministry context, you don't do it by yourself. And so if you burn out, then the onus is also on the people who are in ministry with you to be able to call it out and say, oh, I've contributed to a culture of burnout. I've been part of this. I didn't say no. I didn't stop and have a conversation with you about whether or not you had capacity. Like I have a friend who just recently stepped off of leadership because she burned out. And in some small part, I'm like, oh man, we all saw this coming. Could we have actually in some sort of way actually said, hey, we love you. Can you please go take a break? But then I also think that this sort of impetus to produce comes out of like centuries of Western culture, right? It's just since the Industrial Revolution, we've just been producing more and more and more. And it's just part of our culture. If you're not doing, you're not worth anything. And that's just the lie of ableism. So capitalism okay we're not we're not yeah, going there totally. okay it's totally related i think one of the things that you know recently reading a book by andrew root which we'll be interviewing soon that he talked about how we get caught up in this framework of commerce 
and consumption, and then we get, you know, very much related to capitalism, that then we start to think that, yeah, we need to continue to define success as, you know, as being able to achieve this or the fate of our organization or ministry kind of rests on us and we can only thrive if we hustle and if we're giving it all into it and you know but the thing is like maybe it's sometimes both even the framework or the ideology that is pushing us toward burnout as much as it is both the the community side which you know did not perhaps protect or for ourselves that did not protect or even if for us to say no or our the people we minister with to say no and to be like, no, you should not do that. This feels like almost a failure or shame because it seems to be preventing us from being able to move forward. I think there's all this at play. Like there's so much under the surface when it comes to why this all happens. I think for myself, at least in terms of, you know, being in an Asian church and in what I was shown, I was shown by pastors that you sacrifice family, you sacrifice kind of in- important stuff before the sake of other people, which is, you know, you're trying to spin it as a noble thing. And I understand, you know, some of the reasonings, but you see how that's affected the the legacy after you see the the PKs, right? The pastor's kids who are like, like, so like emotionally, you know, messed up in, in you know, where they're at because they didn't have any time uh, with people to love and care for them and, and ask those questions to them, uh, how they're doing. And I just saw the results a lot, a lot of that, where it's like that one person, one pastor, ministry leader is, has to go off and, and, you know, be that to every single person. And that's why I find it's, you know, it's really hard seeing the past kind of uh, certain church traditions and, and church organizations, how they've organized themselves when it's like, this pastor is supposed to be Jesus to everyone. That was the stuff that was modeled to me uh, by pastors of the past. And I've had to kind of sit back and go, is this really what, you know, being part of God's ministry is about? It's about like, you got to pick up every single thing. You got to be, play all the the roles, you know, of giftings that, that God's given to the church. But instead it's like, if you keep trying to do that, you will end up, you know, dying, you'll end up burning out. And in the end, that's not going to do good to anyone else if you can't work with other people with that. But, you know, I've also been in situations like, I, I think of what Xenia just said, right? That is like, a, I've, I've had a person was like, oh, I'm so tired, you know, from the ministry stuff. So, okay, they're going to stop. But I've had to pick it up now. <laughs> you know, someone's had to pick up the slack. So, or, or you could just, you know, like, I think that the ideal situation is go, well, we'll rest from that for now. But in our current context, it's like, oh, well, we can't necessarily rest from that right now. Someone needs to still pick up the slack. So you try your best to discern, you know, how to support and how to get other people involved and whatnot. But it's hard. It, it's not like so, you know, nice and simple. But, um, but for the sake of our, our kind of emotional, mental, spiritual, and actually, I even want to mention as well, um, I believe a lot of our burnout is because a lot of us don't take care of our bodies physically either. I'll say that like a lot of us don't take care of our bodies. And especially I see a lot of, you know, large rotund pastors, you know, like, it's just like people (laughs) just not taking care of their bodies. Right. Like, and, and I, I, I've said, I've experienced that too, that 
the larger that I got, if I didn't take care of my body more, if I didn't sleep, you know, try to sleep eight hours, even, you know, eat more healthy, like it affected my mood, affected how I dealt with people and affected me emotionally, mentally as well, spiritually. But yeah, that's me personally. When you're speaking about the older generation, I also want to add that in the past, there's been an expectation that pastor's spouses are also involved in the ministry, but they don't get paid. And so Ooh. somehow they get dragged into becoming the secondary pastor in some small churches and even in some large churches. Here's my litmus test for whether or not something is of God. Does it display the fruits of the spirit to everyone you're involved in? Does it involve you loving your neighbor and loving God? Because if you don't love your neighbor and you don't love God and you're not displaying fruits of the spirit, you're probably doing it out of your own capacity. Now, that isn't to say that you can't do like. I'm not advocating for, oh, well, you're just a broken person and you're very sinful. And that, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that if you do not lean on God's grace, then God's grace does not flow out from you. And then the second thing I want to add is I think this, this idea of just having to, well, even pick up for, I don't, and in my context, we've had people say, no, we can't lead. And I've, we've honored that and we've supported them in it. And then we just, and I have the luxury of doing it because my church is small. I have the, I have the flexibility of switching up the structure because we're a small church. But so in our case, we decided that because a key member stepped off of our team, we were going to restructure our entire system so that it could actually be sustainable for all of us. And it's true. You do pick up the slack. And then my first instinct often um, when I'm tired is to feel a little bit resentful because it's like, well, why do they get to rest and I don't get to rest? And then that's a red flag for me, right? But in all these conversations, I think it actually involves a, a level of self-awareness to actually know what's going on internally, to actually have an ongoing dialogue with yourself and with God. Um, and for that reason, I think therapy and spiritual direction are actually key essential parts of the toolbox for the pastor, but even for any lay leader. Because when you're involved with people, you're, all your stuff comes out too. The fancy Freudian word, transference and countertransference, right? So you got to know like what's what are people's projections on you, and then you also have to say actually that's that's their stuff, and we're going to leave that be, and we'll leave that to Jesus, and then say this is who I am, right? So as pastors, regularly we get told, well, you don't, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. Uh, why didn't you do this this way? Why is the bulletin printed like this? Like <laughs> all these things get, or like you know, why is the carpet this color? And all these things kind of get said to you. And then you just take hit after hit after hit. And so you actually have to find space where you can come back to a place where you're told that you're God's beloved, that someone is praying for you and praying over you. And someone is checking in with you consistently. And I think that's what happens when we have this, like, one man can do it all. And I say man, because men are often the culprit. But this idea that they end up on a pedestal and they end up isolated and they end up just completely without accountability and it's to their detriment and to the congregations. And to add to that, cause I, I definitely think the time spent that I've had to spend with a spiritual director and spend with those to keep me accountable. I have a spiritual friend right in here, right, Bernard, but okay. But those are important 
you know, with, with those in our community, you know, we're supposed to be talking, but at times, okay, I don't want to get into it, but sometimes like that's not a safe space at times for, I think leader leadership at times to blah, say everything out to every single person about everything. So that, that gets a little hard, but I do hope that, you know, if we're becoming more and more connected with one another, you can be open to share some deeper, deeper issues that need to be come out into the open so that I think they're going to process things with you together, that your community, the body of Christ is going to do that with you. But I don't think it's an easy thing. I think it's something that needs to be sensitively cultivated. And yeah, but our community is supposed to be part of that process as well. But since everything is so, you know, segregated and and segmented and and we're not necessarily a, a family, kind of thing. It's just like, oh, there's these different departments or whatever that you got to do. My hope is that we can get there at least, you know, start small, start your small group, smart with a, you know, smaller group within your setting. And, you know, that's, that's what I would hope that that could be part of not leading to burnout and being more healthy the way that I think God's church family should be. Yeah. I wonder to, you know, what, what it means to model vulnerability within our own church community. Uh, even though, you know, you want, you're a pastor and, you know, our culture have said, you know, you should have it all together. Um, it kind of reminded me, you know, when you guys were sharing this, um, this kind of meme or picture, not a meme, it's just a picture, um, that somebody posted up and I got really angry at it. Um, and I was just sitting with it the whole time when I was at a conference and then I actually changed my sharing to that. Uh, it was a picture of a pastor and like, there's like arrows in his back. There's like, you know, he was chained. And so it's like talking about like, he's burdened, um, you know, he's been betrayed, uh, blah, 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 all this stuff. Um, and then there's a word bubble that says, I'm okay. And then I was like, yo, this, this messed up, man. Um, because then my question that I kind of posted and I had some bantering on it was, well, when is it okay for a pastor to say, I'm not okay. And are we able only to say it to our close friends or a spiritual director or counselor, or can we model and work with our community to experience like that? You know, it's, it's, it's even okay for our community to express that they're not okay. Um, And then begin to work together on a healing and restorative process together. Um, And I know it's hard in, in certain, you know, cultures and, 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 and systems, um, but is this something we need to explore uh, to see, uh, you know, like a Christ restorative way um, of, of kind of alleviating the possibility of, of burnout? For any lay people who are listening to this, sometimes pastors feel like if they don't have their act together, they might get fired. And that's a real thing. So please create spaces for your pastor to be able to be vulnerable. Um, It's not just about whether or not pastors can create it, but that you as congregants are full participants um, in the body of Christ and your pastor is only human. We're only human. With that comment though, I feel like we can critique the institution (laughs) um, if it's set up in a way where those things aren't you know, um, possible or that it's really difficult to have. And yeah, I'll be honest that, you know, in most institutions, I I haven't seen a lot of that. Like, it's almost like 
you're evaluated essentially to get have it all together, you know, but I would hope that, and, but, you know, you guys will be surprised, but in my context, you know, I actually, I do think, you know, I think sometimes you, you guys, you guys joke around about my context, but actually I felt like there's a lot of grace in my, in my church context, in a larger church where like people have been able to say things uh, that they're struggling with and people uh, make the effort to, to really support one another within that and back each other up. So I appreciate that even in my kind of more modern, uh, larger church context that I've seen at least a lot of support, uh, in that side and even lay people kind of surround their pastors and try to support that way. But yeah, but sometimes it's also still like the, our own kind of things, our own need to, I don't know, be successful, like we're saying or something like that. And, uh, trying to move something forward when maybe it's not the right time to, I also want to say that there are denominational supports. Again, we often miss those because we're uh, diasporic, <laughs> diasporic churches, right? Um, so go to your denomination, see what they've got on offer. Um, like I, I've just been so thankful for my denomination, right? Like there's church coaches you can uh, talk to. Um, my bishop regularly tells me that he's praying for me, <laughs> which is feels really weird sometimes. I'm like, oh, what am I in trouble? No, no, no. He genuinely just wants to pray for me. Um, so, you know, reach out, you know, you just never know what's out there. And I think Bergen can speak to this because he's actually in a denominational structure. Yeah, I think there are. I think sometimes it's just that like the local church and the denomination is so disconnected. Um, and maybe it is time, you know, for for someone not just not just for not just the the pastors uh, or leaders, but like actually people to know like what denomination you're actually part of. This is probably a totally different conversation at some point um, because I think most churches don't know what denomination that they are and why they're in that denomination. Um, and so if you don't even know which denomination you're part of, like of course there's no awareness of like oh they have resources for me. Um, so all that to say, get to know your denomination if you have one or networks or associations. Yes. Go look for where there might be support in that. And I think as we're having this conversation, perhaps we'll end off our talk today, just sharing perhaps some ideas to set healthy rhythms in our life, ways in which we can engage. And we've already started talking about a number of those because I think we realize there are certain things that we can't change and certain things that will take time to change and then certain things that perhaps we can change. And so, you know, what's, what's kind of a next step forward for us in terms of how do we do this? I think more than ever, I'm convinced that the reason why a lot of burnout happens is I think what people are saying, accountability already, but it's also the inner life. And, uh, I think more and more I've had, I've had to wrestle with that as a pastor and you're almost, you know, if I'm honest, you're, you're almost at times feeling like you're, it's like, am I going to be found out to be a fraud (laughs) at times? I think as a pastor where I'm like, how come I'm not as close to God as I should be? Or, 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 you know, how come I don't have the relationship with, with Jesus the way that, you know, I see all these other, you know, amazing things. And I'm supposed to be walking with other people through this, but a lot of it is that, yeah. 
senior messaging us imposter syndrome you know like there's always that that feeling in the back of your mind but but a lot of that has to do with how is your inner life doing how is your relationship with god doing how is your sabbath rest and and you know your your formation spiritual formation doing and i, I remember a lot of pastors i knew just like i'm done with seminary i don't need to learn anything anymore i'll just you know i just do this you know sunday sermons and and whatever figure things out and i'm like is that because I've, I've, seminary has prepared us for everything we would need to <laughs> experience. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and only one seminary above all, or I don't know. <laughs> I can't even say which one, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like you, there's so much room for, for pastors, for leader, any leader to grow. And you see that in scripture too. Like we, we, you know, we need to, be with Christ and we need to, we're becoming like Christ and we only following those who are becoming imitators of Christ. Right. And we're, we're trying to work these things out. So yeah, that's just some of my thoughts as you know, what you're mentioning practical things is, you know, you got to get that inner life uh, rhythm going and you know, that's a very high price. That should be a very high priority uh, for church leaders, you know, just maybe a simple one. I've been thinking a lot about this, even for myself, like, and, and maybe like a lot of pastor needs to consider too, like, do you have a hobby? Um, Cause sometimes it's like, you know, we do all this spiritual stuff. I have air quotes on, um, but then, you know, are there things that you enjoy and delight? I mean, it's very spiritual too. Okay. Having a hobby, but just things that you just enjoy and spend time with people. Like before, you know, we started the podcast and Shu and Senior was talking about like fishing, right? Like if you have a hobby is fishing, like you can still enjoy it. Um, and I think like sometimes we are so fixated on the stuff that we got to do. We don't realize that like we are also human and, you know, there are things that we can enjoy as well. So if the church is serious about preventing burnout, I would suggest you do a full-scale audit on the things that you want to do, that you need to do, and what the Lord is calling you to. Because oftentimes you will find that there's just a sense, like there's just, they're not often all the same. So pray it through, like, what is God calling you to as a community? How has, you, how has he already gifted you? How is he calling you to love the people around you? Um, so that would be the the cultural piece, the, the full scale community piece. I know that it's a really scary thing, and um, I don't even like doing it in my community. But we had a full like <laughs> we had like thirteen hours of meetings over the weekend <laughs> where we just did all that. We laid it all out. We were vulnerable with each other, and and things are changing as a result. Um, and then on a personal note, I think protect your time. So let your priorities, like figure out your priorities and then let your yes be yes and no be no. Because if you say yes to everything, you'll just burn yourself out. And if you say no out of protectiveness, you'll lose out on opportunities that God is calling you to. So just pay attention to what those are. But I also want to suggest that you need to figure out whether you're like what your preferences are. So over the pandemic, I've become deeply introverted and I didn't notice this until I realized I had nothing left in my tank a little while ago because I just spent too much time with people. And I thought, Oh, I just need, I just need a day alone. So I turned off my phone. I, and I just 
spent a day doing a jigsaw puzzle. And the amount of refreshment that was, was unbelievable to me until I realized, oh, I had just drained my tank. So it's just get to know yourself, get to know what recharges you, get to know what brings you joy um, and figure out what you think is fun. Because I think, I think God created fun, but that's a different podcast episode. That should be the quote. God created fun. <laughs> Listen to this episode. <laughs> so have fun or have else. Fun. Yeah, I completely resonate with what you guys are all sharing about. And it's hard. I think like to be able to even shift the needle in these directions, to have an audit, to be perhaps prioritizing that inner life, to be able to have those type of conversations, they're hard. It's hard to do. I, I don't know if we've realized how entrenched we are to a certain way of doing things and seeing things that sometimes we need to perhaps be shaken out of the story we're living in to be able to live into a new one. And I think just to add on into what you guys have already shared, because this that was just so good for what the three of you guys had already shared about, which is... I wonder what it might look like to pray with others and to ask God to help us to learn to grow, to understand and have uh, a healthy and faithful description and understanding on some of these areas of work, of self-care, of limits, and that it's never just about like managing the workload or about sharing the workload, but perhaps just to see, you know, what what is God doing and what does God call us to be and how do we how do we continue to seek to live that out, to strive to live that out. And to be really open and honest. I, I love the idea of the audit that Xenia you were just talking about. And I wonder what comes out of that just to be like, you know what? Love is not sacrifice to the point of crushing, right? You know, and the fruit of the spirit is not, you know, pouring yourself out until you're empty and then this cog just gets replaced in the machine and then that person just needs to go and rest for like two years before they can even think about being part of a church again. Like that's obviously not it. And yet prop, like most likely that behind a lot of the things we do and how we do things and how we treat people can sometimes feel like that. So with that, thank you guys so much for joining in. And hopefully this has been helpful for you guys, both from a perspective of an individual, of being in a community uh, and being in a church community, being either someone who is serving or not serving, whether you're a pastor or not, hopefully something in here helped you in terms of stirring you up towards considering what this might look like. And I don't think anyone ever expects it to happen, but it happens. And we, you know, we might have the opportunity to continue to think through it and, and hopefully be able to you know, approach it in more healthier ways. That'll be it for our conversation today. Thank you to you guys as our listeners for continuing to listen to our podcast and to be part of this conversation. We've loved dialoguing with all of you and to be able to hear what you think. And so please send us some feedback. What did you think of today's conversation on burnout? 
You could always reach us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or by email. Our email address is contact.campodcast at gmail.com. That's contact.campodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. What have been your experiences? How have you continued to wrestle through this issue as well? If you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast and share it with others. Maybe this conversation will be especially helpful for them if they are in a specific season of feeling burnt out. Once again, you've been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and we hope you'll join us on this journey. We'll see you next time.